Welcome back after the the lovely lunch, um, and I hope you're ready for uh, for another panel. The first one of the energy shipping bulk, and uh, one that I'm uh, very fond of these days. Uh, I think um, this is a, this is a sector that that's uh, clearly been lagging, I'd say, in terms of valuation, and we'll get into that during the panel. Um, that's at least our view. Uh, given this, much of the same drivers as we see in tankers and LNG, where people are all over the sectors, I feel this one's a bit uh, um, lagging a bit behind. And I hope um, throughout this panel that we can go through some of the, the main drivers and thinking among these companies here today um, and get everyone on the same page, I guess. Uh, that would be great. So um, uh, with that, welcome to the LPG panel. Um, and with us today, we have uh, the CEO of Navigator uh, of Navigator uh, Holdings at the end, Matsaku. Um, and in the middle, we have the CEO of uh, BWLPG, uh, Mr. Anders Wunderheim. Um, and then we have the CEO of Dorian LPG USA, um, John LeCour is joining us today. Um, so with that, uh, I, I'd, uh, I've already gone through what I believe is the easy take on this, and it's that it's energy shipping in a very tight energy market uh, globally, uh, somewhere that could be very interesting to be. And quite easily enough, there are two main sources of LPG, uh, the way we see it, and it's the US and the Middle East, which are the two main providers of volumes here, to, uh, which dictate a lot of the shipping demand. Um, and to start off, um, U.S. LPG production. I thought we'd we'd start off with that and the outlook for um, for how that production is going to develop uh, near term, given the constraints on equipment and investing from the energy sector, and um, also if there are any, um, do you see any problems in terms of the infrastructure and bottlenecks to get those volumes to the market? And and if we can start with that, and and you first, maybe John, um, to start off. Sure. Thank you, Jorgen. Thank you for the introduction. Um, uh, yes, U.S. LPG production has been going uh, extremely well this year. Uh, we've seen um, a strong exports and strong production numbers. Uh, we, we expect that uh, the growth of the production this year is going to be around 6%, and we also expect 2023 to be about 5% as well. So um, the fractionation capacity is at full tilt. Um, almost uh, 100%, and, uh, uh, but uh, new and additional fractionation capacity is coming every quarter from now on uh, into 2023, so we're going to have plentiful of capacity in fractionation, and uh, then I should talk about uh, piping the product, uh, NGL uh, pipe, piping the product from the Permian in particular has been uh, already built and is already in position, so we have a good uh, throughput of NGLs coming down to the uh, Gulf Coast. Uh, so generally, it's a, um, it's a very good uh, um, scenario for uh, increased uh, uh, export capability from, uh, from the United States. Uh, we know that uh, uh, a lot has been done in Marcus Hook with uh, uh, their, um, their pipeline, um, that th those pipelines have come also online. So they have been able to export uh, significant amounts um, uh, from Marcus Hook. Uh, I'm talking about uh, energy transfer. Uh, and uh, so we, we see a generally um, 
extremely uh, positive uh, production scenario for, um, for LPG. Um, of course, this is helped by the production of uh, uh, crude oil and LNG, uh, and that uh, you know produces enough uh, LPG for uh, uh, for the petrochemical industry and for um, residential and commercial, uh, uh, which goes uh, uh, to uh, many parts of the world. Um, the same thing we have seen also in in the Arabian Gulf, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, and Anders, uh, do you want to chime in? Is there any? Do you, do you fear the uh, slow response seen in the U.S. oil and gas uh, production activity? Or no, I, I agree. I think we 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 are much more confident uh, about the volumes in the U.S. Also, I think as John says, we we <clears throat> we expect growth uh, in in uh, in uh, uh, five six percent range, and to us that's 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 fine, and, and we don't see any problem with the capacity either. It's uh, at, at the moment, we think there's plenty of capacity. So, so uh, uh, you know, and, and of course, of course, our business is so dependent on the U.S. volumes. You know, so so for, for so we are we're quite comfortable. Now, since John answered so eloquently, I'm I'm going to make make another statement. I think, um, and I want to make sure everyone here understands, LPG is actually a great product, a fantastic product, and even though. Even though our, our keynote speaker forgot to mention that you know it's also a good alternative fuel, but I but I think in the in the context of this, you know, we're also seeing that uh, that uh, we can make a difference, and and no question, uh, you know, we are dependent uh, on on uh, on good production in the U.S. and of course the oil prices helped us, natural gas you know prices have helped us, and and as long as we see, you know, great demand for LNG, it's also that's going to help us also. So, so uh, long answer, but yes, we are comfortable with uh, with the outlook for the U.S. Great. Thank you, and uh, Mats. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to agree with my fellow panelists here. I mean, there's every incentive in the world for the producers and for the uh, infrastructure providers to continue investing into this. The demand picture looks great. Uh, Europe needs more energy, and there's a um, there's a turning to, to the west uh, from, from Europe, and, and that means to, uh, to North America for the energy requirements. So there's a very good, robust, long-term demand picture here that is a good backdrop for, for investing into, uh, into, to, into that sector. So, and yeah, LPG has lots of uses in energy or as industrial components, so uh, it's versatile, so it's, it's a great commodity. Uh, there's a lot of talk about these bottlenecks and, and the infrastructure in, in LPG. And uh, Navigator, of course, they, uh, they're part of this joint venture with Enterprise on, uh, on the terminal for ethylene exports uh, out of Houston. Um, how has that, uh, that venture been for you, and how is the growth potential there um, in terms of volumes finding its way to sea? Oh, it's, it's definitely been a venture that has performed above expectations. I mean, it was very quick. Or it was on time, on, on budget in terms of the building of the infrastructure and has it ramped up uh, relatively quickly during 2020 and 2021. So it's already been running at full capacity uh, most of this year. So, uh, so it's, it's been a great experience. And, and when you listen to, to Enterprise, our joint venture partner, in their external announcements, there, there will be expansion of that capacity uh, in, in the years to come, and we, of course, look forward to having that discussion and, and are participating in that discussion with Enterprise now. There, there's super uh, potential in terms of ethylene export out of uh, the U.S. because it's, it's very, very cost-competitive compared to the rest of the world and, and their scope for, for expanding it with this new terminal. So uh, we are very excited about that opportunity. 
And another thing to, to mention, historically, I think we looked over the past 20 years in terms of demand for LPG in the U.S. has been flat. Uh, so I guess what we're saying is that any additional production that may come uh, should find its way to sea, which makes this an incredible, inter incredibly interesting story in terms of the, the oil and gas development in the U.S., of course. Um, and then uh, switching a bit away from the U.S. and onto the, the other major exporter, Middle East, um, would you like to say a couple of words on the resurgence in, in volume that you've seen uh, there and what the impact that has for, for uh, LPG shipping, Anish? Oh, clearly we've seen a resumed growth uh, from the Middle East. And, uh, of course, both Saudi Arabia and also Iran has is, uh, is been uh, providing lots of, lots of volumes. Uh, and, of course, that's, that's clearly you know, helping also the total market. And uh, uh, so with both the U.S. and, and, and the Middle East uh, providing good volumes, that's also making, again, our concern much less for next year, given that we still have an order book coming of some 20%. So, so, and we expect that to continue. We, have, we, we expect uh, further growth also next year from the Middle East. And, of course, if we do see some lift of sanctions from Iran, that could also provide some very interesting, uh, interesting dynamics in, in the shipping business for us. So how uh, maybe you want to give some more flavor on that, uh, John, on, on the Iran side. How much, uh, how much would that add in terms of uh, size and, and just what, what sort of impact could we see with that day when, when those sanctions are reversed? I think this year Iran has um, exported quite a lot of LPG, uh, more than 700,000 tons. Uh, I think it's a record uh, on, uh, on exports from Iran. Uh, just the same thing as uh, Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates, they, um, uh, you know, since the reversal of the production cuts, uh, we have seen all these countries um, uh, uh, export uh, quite a lot of LPG. And I think it mostly has come from inventories because uh, they, they, they were keeping it. Uh, they had to, uh, you know, uh, adhere to the production cuts, but this year we have seen a huge jump from um, Arabian Gulf uh, uh, exports, and uh, nobody was, uh, you know, was was able to explain it. But it, it, it was really the production cuts that were uh, lifted uh, that caused this uh, uh, amount of inventory to kind of flow out, and we've seen a. 15 to 20 percent uh, increase in the Arabian Gulf exports. Uh, they're, they're heating, uh, hitting, um, um, you know, liftings which were um, not seen for the last few years, at least uh, of 80, 90 liftings. Uh, that's quite significant. Yeah, we, uh, at least according to our, our satellite data, we're up 20 percent year on year so far. Uh, so there's been a massive bump, and of course, uh, that means this, this, uh, this, uh, these volumes need to end up somewhere. Um, and Anish, uh, in terms of the pricing differential, you spoke a lot about that on the, on the Q2 call that you had on uh, the, the value of LPG in, in context of LNG. Um, how, what are you seeing on the demand side uh, just due to that switching? How easy is that to do? We're trying to find that out because it's, it's, not, it's not so clear. I mean, we, I've actually given our internal team, I said, you know, come, when I come back from the States, I want to have a good answer as to, you know, where are the opportunities also rising, you know. But, of course, uh, you know, a few weeks back, the price differential in Europe between LNG and LPG was six times. And, of course, that will create some sort of a – and, of course, as, as Mott said, I mean, LPG is a, it's a great product. It's versatile. It's energy effective. And so, so we think there's going to be – a substantial 
amount of, of at least considerations of, of switching or, 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 at least, or at least including LPG in the mix of LNG. And of course, at that price differential, it's, it's really going to make a difference. And of course, Europe needs all the energy they can get. So, so I'm looking for, and I think we should all look for opportunities to see how can, we, how can we also play a bigger role in Europe. Because obviously, Russia was not a big LPG exporter. And so, so the direct effect has not been great for the LNG business, LPG business. But uh, again, given, given the situation we see now, we already see quite a good growth into Europe uh, of, of LPG, and, and we expect that to continue. So we need to find good solutions where we can actually also really find a way to, to, to matter even more in Europe. Because we know in India there's great demand in China, so we, all the product can go there, but Europe needs it. So we need to find a way to, to help Europe also. And the positive thing, if you, if you look historically on LNG versus LPG, it's always been a premium project, product, LPG. And the simple reason for that, I would imagine, is because it's easier to handle. So uh, all the infrastructure constraints that you could have getting people over to gas aren't necessarily something that applies to, to LPG. Exactly. So it's an easy switch when things are looking better uh, on an economic basis. Um, and also, uh, the war in Ukraine uh, in the context of, of LPG shipping, uh, and pet game shipping, uh, for that matter. Uh, what, what has been the effect so far? Uh, it, it has had very substantial ef effects, and of course, predominantly because uh, uh, LNG from, from Russia has stopped flowing to Europe, and hence Europe needs to find alternatives, as we just talked about, from, from LPG. So, so there are vast uh, effects from that. Uh, but we also see some... some Small effects, you could say, uh, in a niche like, for instance, ammonia, uh, that the ammonia that used to flow from, from Russia into Europe now has to be replaced with somebody else, something else. And that means that we'll see ammonia flowing from North America and from uh, the Middle East Asia, and that means more ton miles. And that's fantastic uh, for, for, for a company like Navigator. Our fleet is very versatile. It can uh, transport pretty much most of the uh, petrochemical gases and uh, ammonia has grown from being, let's say, on a, on, on a good day. Uh, a year ago, we would have maybe three ships with ammonia on at every, any given point in time. But right now, we have nine. So it means a full 20% of our fleet is actually transporting ammonia right now. And we think that's going to continue. It's not only because of the food security crisis and, and the focus on, on, on having uh, sufficient uh, fertilizer for, for the individual countries. We think that's going to be a, a longer-term effect also here. Uh, not wanting to be dependent on, on Russia for delivery of, um, of uh, fertilizers, but uh, of course ammonia also has its own growth story in the midterm from being a, a new fuel that can propel not only shipping but, uh, but power stations and, and, and other things. So, so there's a very good and robust um, growth story in ammonia, and that has only been, you could say, kick-started by the war in, in Ukraine, uh, which is a big support to, to our business. Hmm. On the on the VLGC side, um, John, has there has there been any more change in the trade flows out of US, for instance, uh, following this, more into Europe and, and short roll on the large vessels? Or yes, absolutely. Um, we, we've done uh, uh, voyages to to Europe that we had not done before. Uh, as far as Scandinavia, as, as Finland, uh, um, uh, Germany, North Germany. Um, uh, a lot of uh, business in um, the um, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, uh, Antwerp kind of uh, complex. 
petrochemical complex. So we've seen a lot of moves, and we should not forget that uh, uh, LPG is not only used for petrochemical purposes or for heating and cooking, but it's also used as a, a, a fungible product for LNG. Uh, it, it could, you know, improve the the LNG content in um, uh, in BTU and energy. Uh, so uh, it, it is possible to use LPG as uh, an additional enhancement of the uh, LNG stream. And uh, as a fungible product, it, 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 it is very useful uh, for, for Europe to be able to, uh, I mean, you know, send it through the pipeline, for example, at a certain percentage to the, to the LNG stream. So it really helps a lot. So I think we've seen um, an, a significant increase of uh, cargoes going into Europe this year. Um, maybe, you know, to the tune of uh, 10 cargoes more than we used to, uh, mm. for example. Which is not necessarily positive on a ton mile Well, it's not necessarily positive, or? but uh, it, is, it does compete with uh, the <coughs> East. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 it means that the utilization of the fleet is going to increase more because we have not only to provide uh, 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 LPG to the Far East, but we also now have to provide LPG to, the, to Europe, which we didn't used to. Much. At least the rates are not indicating that it's hurting us. Yeah, uh, that's what, what, what I was getting at was really, because uh, I forgot to preface that before we started, that of course uh, the markets today in, in for the VLGCs are in the 40s, $40,000 per day, uh, which compared to a cash break even cost of around 20, low 20s. Uh, so this is a sector that's already earning money. Um, and, uh, you know, with the outlook of more volumes to come uh, and also potentially, you know, positive shifts in, in ton-mile trading patterns, uh, you're definitely set up for, uh, for what could be at least good fundamentals on the demand side. So let's get to the elephant in the room, uh, the, uh, the supply side uh, and the order book that we, that we have for, um, for 2023. Um, I, we have around 13, 14, 15% of the fleet or so uh, coming for delivery next year. Um, and that's a substantial amount, but uh, fortunately, you can say, if you look to 24, the order book is very limited, so it's very centered on deliveries in 2023. Um, what's your view on that, uh, that Anish? Is, uh, are the regulations that are coming in at the same time uh, going to counter a lot of this, uh, or how, how does that uh, order book look to you? I know you've been a bit cautious uh, previously. Are you more bullish now, or...? The answer is yes, I, and we have been quite uh, quite outspoken about that. And you know, in my previous life in the financial services, I looked at shipping, the shipping industry, and every time things looked good, you know, they ordered a lot of ships, and it was this time was different, and uh, very seldom it was. And uh, so we have been cautious. We've been, uh, but at the same time, having with the latest development of the past six months, where where of course we've seen, uh, you know, the level of energy prices and and also the demand, you know, picking up. Uh, you know, we're seeing we're seeing good growth now, both in both again in, in the U.S. and in the Middle East. So, so that's going to mitigate to a great extent, I think, uh, uh, the order book, and also yes, regulations. Uh, you know, we estimate that uh, uh, from start of next year, about 10% of the fleet is going to have to slow down, and you know, and, and uh, that's uh, maybe maybe not more than a couple knots, but still, that's quite significant when you start you know counting it up. So, so that, and we have, uh, of course, the Panama Canal inefficiencies there. That's going to also, I think, uh, really 
balance out the market quite well because you know this is last year we can do you know pre-book slots from the LPG side and uh, and we know LNGs and and uh, and the container ships are gonna they're gonna be the you know the ones that can pay the most so so we're gonna see a lot of waiting and having to make decisions whether or not we you know we we go through Panama Canal or we go around the Cape so mm. uh, so yes long answer but uh, I think the balance looks much better now uh, given energy prices given demand and uh, and uh, and also the supply. And yeah. 10% of the fleet is already t- over 20 years old. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, at some point, something <laughs> might happen. <laughs> I think if you com- combine all those factors, there'll be some delays in, in the delivery. There'll be some, some congestion. There'll be some uh, scrapping. There'll be slowdown in speed and, and then a very robust demand picture. Um, I think that looks, uh, that looks all right. So I, that, that's my thinking as well. You know, if you spread out that order book over two years instead of one, it's two years of 7% growth in a growth industry, which doesn't sound insane to me. At the same time, you're slowing down the fleet and incentivizing scrapping. So, but, um, okay. And, and also, you just remember, I mean, last time, you know, the downturn, then, then the order book was 40% of the, of the existing fleet. Now so it's this should be manageable. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's also, it's mainly in the large vessel segments. I mean, if you look at the mid-size and the smaller ones, here, the combined order book is less than that 20%. Yeah, I was getting to that because uh, BWLPG and Dorian focused on the VLGC side. If we yeah. turn to you, Mots, more on the, on the smaller vessel sizes, it, how, uh, uh, or first, you, you can first talk about the order book and how that looks in comparison, uh, but, uh, but also, you know, if you want to pin down what's the advantage of your business versus the, the larger one. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. <laughs> I always like to talk about our advantages. Uh, if you look at the handy size order book, it's, it's uh, lower. It's around, let's say 6% of the fleet on the water. And if you look at the smaller segments below that, it's even less. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it looks better for the, for the smaller segments. So in, in, in aggregate, it's, it's perhaps not 20% we're talking about. It's maybe uh, a, a somewhere between 12 and, and 15 for the overall sector. Of course, there are some substitution between the segments. Uh, but, but we have, you could say, mid-sized and handy-sized vessels, which are uh, quite flexible, that, that they will be... Uh, uh, sometimes competing with the larger sizes when uh, uh, when when the prices are right, and, and but but we can we can move between all the different commodities between ammonia, between uh, butadiene, between uh, propane, uh, so pretty much all the petrochemical gases, and, and that's of course nice when let's say a situation over the summer when uh, China stopped uh, importing ethylene. We were then able to deploy our vessels, as I mentioned before, to, uh, for instance, ammonia instead. So, so that gives some flexibility in our trading that we can offset uh, weakness in, in one uh, commodity by uh, th- then instead deploying our vessels uh, to some of the other ones. Yeah. And um, then to, to John, we, we mentioned the, the inefficiencies in the Panama Canal, uh, which can be uh, very interesting to look at, especially when you start to compete with the LNG or containers to go through that canal. Uh, you're squeezed out, essentially, to a large degree. Yes. Uh, how, are, how are you trading today, if you want to say, you know, how much do you utilize the, the canal, northbound, southbound, um, and how, much, how does that look in the, in the coming years to you, given that they're squeezing up prices and, and everything? Yeah, it's, it's part of our business. We, we kind of figure six to eight days um, for a delay in the, in the canal. Um, there are extraordinary situations when uh, the market is uh, very active. That uh, In the first uh, 15 days of uh, September, we have seen all the way up to um, 14 to 16 days uh, uh, waiting time. But right now, uh, once the big rush has gone away, 
the, the days have come back to uh, a lower number of about um, six days. Uh, so um, you have to figure it into your, uh, you know, fixing and scheduling of your vessels. It's, it's all part of, uh, um, you know, counting in the number of days you're going to have to wait, fixing up uh, um, some slots early on uh, for some of your ships or, uh, you know, having to wait for an opportunity to, to cross. Uh, so, as I say, scheduling is uh, included in our, um, in our you know, utilization of the vessels. But do you do you then ballast through the canal, or is that risky considering the potential waiting time? Or do you have visibility on that? As no, we ballast through the canal. Okay. We ballast through the canal. We go with loaded through the canal and ballast through the canal. And um, This is uh, usually with the cost of bunkers. It's uh, not worth doing the long voyages. Mm. Absolutely not. Okay. Um, looking at the energy transition and uh, finding alternative fuel solutions for um, uh, for the the LPG carriers, uh, you're in a position where you have a clean uh, energy carrier on board uh, and can can make the case for that as fuel. Um, and I know BW LPG has been uh, at the forefront in retrofitting uh, a lot of the vessels with LPG fueled machinery. Um, how has that been so far, and what uh, what issues are you seeing, and, and how much are does this calculate into an advantage as things stand right now? Yeah. No, I mean we, we made a big investment into into uh, uh, you know converting, upgrading 15 of our ships, and uh, and they're all in water now. Um, <clears throat> we're seeing better and better results of it. Uh, clearly, uh, there are teething issues when you, you when you take on new technology, and uh, and there's no question we've had. Uh, you know, we've not we've not been running at 100 percent, that for sure. You know, the past the first uh, first uh, couple of months, but we're we're seeing better and better results, and it is, uh, and we're also seeing, of course, with 15 ships, we are gaining a lot of experience, and 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 I'm happy to see that both with you know MAN as a supplier, but also our own organization, how they are finding solutions and how we really start to optimize optimize uh, the performance. But we still have some way to go, and and so so. Uh, uh, but but clearly at the moment we're getting you know uh, uh, we are seeing good good uh, uh, differentials so we're getting well paid for for going on LPG right now it's uh, four or five thousand dollars in differential and so that make that's a big big difference so right now we are fixing ships at uh, at fifty plus for for uh, for for those ships and uh, and uh, we'll continue to 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 focus on on optimizing you know the the performance better. But again, it's it's so far it's been a great experience, and uh, and we clearly we see all these ships will uh, easily comply with the regulations next year, and so to us that's been that's been a great success. And and again, we we made the decision to retrofit rather than uh, uh, build new. And we think that's a better decision. Even even in this sector, I think reuse is a good name. So we're very happy with that, uh, and we're seeing also customers really starting to pay attention and uh, a lot of inquiries uh, about. Uh, and also, the last thing I'll say is because obviously, when you when you have a new technology, and I've been, you know, pushing my team because we've had these teething issues. So I'm asking, you know, when when our some of our colleagues are ordering new ships with the same the same technology, are they getting you know perfect uh, performance? We're not. But no, I, I hear that uh, also the new builds have have you know some of the same issues. And so so I think together we all we all want to make sure they work better. 
but it's uh, again we are we've made great progress. And as I was just telling John, the funny thing is the first ship is the best one. That's almost running at 100. percent So <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But, uh. How about you, you Matsud Navigator? How is your uh, take yeah. on that? Yeah, we're switching between uh, commodities that we are transporting. Uh, hence, it's a little bit harder for us to define, you could say, an alternative fuel like LPG to to uh, run on. We have a couple of uh, ethane. Uh, Capable ships, dual fuel. Um, so, so I, I think that's uh, there's there's some uh, some opportunities in that. Of course, what I look very much forward to is to um, start building uh, ammonia-fueled vessels that will transport ammonia. That's not right now, but I think a little bit down the road, and we start hearing the first requests from customers that want to explore this. Uh, this would be a, an, an optimal way of, of of doing it against a, a long contract. So, uh, so I think there's some some potential in that. But but you could say for our tram shipping business that is switching between uh, commodities, it's not so easy to to uh, retrofit them into to uh, dual fuel uh, alternative fuels right now. Hmm. Are you opting for dual fuel retrofits, uh, John? Oh, we we ha- we have four. Yeah, are coming up. Um, three chartered in. Uh, we 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 kind of agree that uh, we do not want to order more ships. Uh, so we're just building one ship, and we've chartered in three uh, dual fuel. So uh, I think it's, that's 20% of our fleet is going to be dual fuel next year. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, uh, a step in, in that direction. Um, also, I, I, I wanted to say that um, LPG as a fuel has just come out this year. The first few ships, I mean, uh, I think BW was the first that had a ship on the water in late 21, hmm. or maybe the third quarter of 21. Uh, and so they haven't been even had a chance to, 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 to go about it. I mean, you know, there's hardly a year that LPG engines have been operating. So it's a, it's a little bit early to, to say what, what, what happens with those engines, and uh, we're all, you know, kind of learning. We are on a learning curve, and I think LPG engines will have, uh, once they kind of settle in, I think they'll be preferred to LNG engines at some point in the future, Mm. because uh, not only because the fuel is easier to handle, but they may be more advanced in design um, and uh, cheaper to operate. Uh, Okay. But we'll we'll see how it goes. No, exactly, because, I mean, right now there's a lot of... uh, uh, you know, dual fuel LNG ships out there that have no no benefit at all from the LNG because it's too expensive. Hmm. So, uh, so I think uh, uh, again, and and as I said earlier, it's I think LPG is is kind of dip, not understood by all and not so well known. Of course, with a small sector, we're you know not that many companies listed, but uh, but I think the potential for also other shipping segments to look for LPG as a fuel is quite interesting. Hmm. And you know, and I think uh, well, I agree. I mean, with Mats, I mean, ammonia, of course, when when if that's ready, that's great, but. Uh, it's going to be that's some way out, and, and so uh, so I'd actually. Is there anybody out here who's uh, has ships and uh, they want to they want to go green? You know, try LPG. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, then before our time is up, uh, I want to touch a bit on valuation, and I think you, uh, I, I we we cover three VLGC companies. So uh, in in that sphere, as I said, your the peer group is thirty percent discounted to the steel values in the assets that you have. It's uh, it's a steeply discounted sector. Um, and uh, I was going to ask why, but I think you touched on an important point, uh, Anish. It's uh, maybe a bit to do with the complexity. Uh, it's, it's a bit difficult to wrap your head around necessarily. But uh, 
Um, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity, Mats, if, if you want to angle that easily uh, and package it for investors. You know, what, what, what should we follow and what makes this an easy uh, sector to, to grasp? I think ultimately the evidence needs to lie in us and our ability to create returns to the shareholders. Um, if, if you have a long period of time where the investors look at the stock and say that there's not really much return delivered and we don't understand the complexities of the industry so well, that's a, that's a tough sell. So I think the, the best way to uh, show the investors that this, this is a, a good industry to be in is to, to deliver those returns. Uh, and I think here the prospects are looking pretty decent. And the good thing, of course, is when you're trading at a discount that uh, deploying some of your excess uh, capital by doing share buybacks or similar, uh, I mean, that's uh, uh, easy decision to make. So, uh, so I think there's some opportunities in that. And, and with the cash that's being generated in the, in the sector right now and with the outlook, I think that should be uh, a good opportunity. And I'll, uh, I'll leave the closing words to you, Anish, if you want to follow up on that. Yes, I do want to follow up on that. I just ran since our IPO in 2013, I just ran the numbers to see which sectors have performed me given the highest return on equity if, from 2013 until today. And surprise, surprise, LPG comes out first. Uh, we, we've delivered 15.5% no, return to shareholders since the IPO in 2013, and we still trade at the lowest valuation. Now, I think one of the reasons is people believe that, uh, that uh, our market is not liquid, the asset values are not, you know, they, they can't be documented. We've sold 19 ships the last three years, above book value, net asset value. So I'm happy to buy back shares, but I also want to make sure that the investors have an opportunity to participate. So I would definitely look at – I never recommend my own stock, but I think, again, you know, but Dorian Avance looks really attractive. <laughs> okay. I think we'll uh, leave it at that. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.